Studiosity acknowledges the traditional Indigenous custodians of country throughout Australia and all lands where we work, and recognises their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to Elders both past and present. It gives me a pleasure to uh, introduce Braden Hill from Edith Cowan University. So Braden, tell me about yourself. Sure. Um, look, thanks for inviting me. Um, so uh, professionally, I guess, I'm the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Students, Equity and Indigenous at Edith Cowan University here in Perth. Um, I'm a Noongar Wardandi man from the southwest of Western Australia, um, working on Wadjuk country. Very fortunate to, to do so. Um, I was a teacher before I went into academia, so I was a secondary teacher um, and graduated at a time with a very kind of few jobs going and so I kind of fell into academic work which tends to happen a lot to um, to, to people who find themselves in roles like mine but um, went from kind of working in enabling education which was kind of my first kind of academic um, job and that was really exciting um, managed to work in a program that uh, actually got me access to university so I'm I was never an ATAR kid I was um, well, I did ATAR I failed it miserably um, but came through an access pathway and um, I really cherish that pathway and I was really delighted to be able to give back to that. We did some really fantastic work in that space. So the Indigenous Centre was really important to me. Um, I kind of taught uh, in that space for a little while before I managed the Indigenous Centre. Um, and I was really excited about that gig because uh, I, I got to see the transformative impact that it had for me in terms of um, the people you met, the educational experiences and um, just, just the really great time that you can have within academia particularly in culturally safe spaces. So to lead that work was super um, exciting for me and it's still um, a role I, I love to this day. Um, I then took on a broader role that was at Murdoch University. I took on a broader role around direct, um, Director of Aboriginal Education, Equity and Inclusion. So I picked up a bunch of um, support services and that was great before I moved here um, to, to ECU. So uh, I was the PVC Equity Indigenous, but uh, middle of last year, I, I've now taken on this new role. Um, so it's, it's probably the dream role. I think if I was to make one for myself, it would be this. Um, I sometimes jokingly say I'm the DVC miscellaneous, but um, this job is exactly the kind of job that I'd want to do. And EC is a fantastic university. And um, yeah, I'm having an having a absolute ball. So ECU has a very strong reputation for uh, inclusive um, approaches to education. And also it's um, participation and, and participatory pathways. Can you just give us a sense of what makes um, ECU successful in this and what, what will happen in, in the future and what will your future priorities be? Yeah, so look, I think uh, we, we do have a really strong uh, background and kind of DNA in access pathways as an access university. Uh, we came from a teacher's college, right? So we, 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 we really still have that strong focus on teaching quality and the student experience. And I think, you know, we're, we're um, you know, we're, we're number one, if not number one, very close in, in student experience and teaching quality. And I think it's because of that legacy and because of that real, really strong commitment that I think is in, in our DNA. Um, you know, more than half of our, our students are first in family to come to university. And that's something we pride ourselves on. It's something that um, we're delighted to be able to do. Our uni prep program is one of the biggest in the country. So that's our, our enabling program. And that sees between, you know, 15 to 2000 students every year come through our doors. Um, and it's a very diverse cohort. Um, and it's a real, I think, testament to ECU that we, we do that 
um, because of our commitment to uh, um, you know equity and social justice in terms of addressing educational inequality. Um, and I think that for us is always going to be an important part. And I'm really delighted that um, we see the way things are shaping up with the Accord and their interest in, in growth through equity, because I think a university like ECU can probably teach a lot of our counterparts around how you do this and how you do this well. I think for me, uh, what shows that we're really good at this is that our students who come through those pathway programs do just as well as everybody else in terms of domestic entries. And I think there's often this, this assumption that students coming through that program um, are less capable or less academically ready. And it's just not the case for ECU. And so we're really proud of that, especially because of how diverse the, co the, the cohorts are who come through that program and where they go to as well. So what, what's the magic or what's, what is it that you do to create this extraordinary narrative of success? Look, I think the, the focus on the quality of teaching is, is really important. It's kind of a boring answer, but I mean, we, we, we pay really close attention to student voice and student evaluation. Um, we have really good online teaching facility and a really good culture around accessible education uh, in the online space, particularly. Um, there's also a really clear direction from our DVC education, our executive deans around what a quality experience should look like for all students. So there's a real centering of the student in all of those discussions, which I think is a really, um, really important part of that. Um, but I guess we, we're, I mean, a lot of people say this about the institutions, but we are a very values led institution. And I think um, that really guides us uh, around our purposes, being a university that's here to transform lives and enrich society. And I think we all know that as part of our work. And so the student's very centered in that. Um, and look, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we get everything right, but um, we've been doing something right for a very, very long time. And I think that's kind of part of, the, part of the magic, if you like. And our academics are just fantastic and committed individuals um, who, who really sign up to that mission and purpose. And they know, and we know who we are as an institution, which I think is critical as well. We started these conversations with your colleagues from other universities during NAIDOC week. And reconciliation, of course, is absolutely core to uh, the, the current zeitgeist of, of Australian politics. Can you talk to me about what reconciliation means to you personally, but also what it means to you and the work you do in your institution? Yeah, so, so reconciliation is a really interesting one. Um, ECU has been formally part of a kind of reconciliation journey long before I started here. And um, my predecessor, Professor Colleen Haywood, did a lot of really great work around um, getting ECU to a point where we value reconciliation and we value you know, what, what we're trying to achieve there. Um, I think when I started here, there was a sense that the, the kind of the broader environment, the politics had changed within the ECU community, particularly the Indigenous staff within the community. And I think there was a sense that um, kind of harked back to the critique of reconciliation that was um, really that reconciliation was a kind of uh, a bit of a watered down concept post treaty conversations, Bob Hawke, the kind of doing away with that reconciliation kind of took up space. So I think when, we, when I came into ECU around 2019, there was this sense of like, Reconciliation is not getting us there. The, the, the idea or the concept of reconciliation isn't quite right anymore, which I found really interesting. And so we, we oriented away from it um, for, for a little while and, and we still have. And it's not that it's not important, but it, it's been a really interesting um, litmus test for the way politics are changing around reconciliation in a sense that maybe 
it's not enough. I mean, as a definition, the idea that we're re-establishing friendly relationships after a conflict, um, I'm not sure we had friendly relationships. And I think there's a sentiment amongst our ECU Indigenous community that maybe we need to try something else as an institution and what that looks like, um, we're, we're still thinking through, but it's a much more institutionally owned thing as opposed to a externally driven thing. Um, and the other part, I mean, raps are a big part of that conversation, as we know, um, but I think there's a sense that they can be a big tick box sometimes. And I'll, I'll kind of sum it up by one, one comment that one of the staff members said, um, well, why are we reconciling with ourselves? It's, it's white fellows' jobs to, to, to come to the table around reconciliation. And I think that kind of captures it in a really plain way. Um, doesn't mean it's not important, but we're in a different political moment now, I think, potentially. And what does it mean for you? Look, for me, I think um, I don't disagree with, with the sentiment of some of our ECU Indigenous community here around reconciliation. Um, but what, what is really important for me in, that, in the framing of reconciliation is that there's respect. And I think that respect in an educational sense means that there is a commitment to understanding and to learning. And I think that's you know, obviously an important role that institutions play. Um, for me, reconciliation means that we are able to understand where each other is coming from on particular things, and it's kind of the approach I try to take, um, but there's a difference in that labour. So in terms of my experience working in higher ed, which is predominantly non-Indigenous space, of course, um, we, there's a lot more learning that white folk need to get to, I think, for us to kind of come to an equal term and say, okay, here we go, let's have this conversation around what needs to be reconciled. Um, and that's not the fault of any individuals necessarily. I think we're all products of the same um, knowledge systems and education systems that do and don't teach things particularly well. Um, but there's so much ground I think that needs to be made before we can start talking about reconciliation. So, you know, the truth telling piece um, talks about how we actually do equity as opposed to kind of signal it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, um, it's still important, but it, yeah, I think I agree with the sentiment we might be in a different political moment now. And of course, the political moment that's very evident to, to many of us is the voice. Yeah. And, and what's, what, what are you making of the debates and, and the sort of the progression of the conversation around voice? Yeah, look, it's been really interesting. So, so as somebody who's part of the um, LGBTQ plus community, I think it resonates with me around the same-sex marriage debate, the, the, the plebiscite, that there, there, are, there are echoes of that um, experience where um, there's, a, there's a lot of fear, a lot of um, unknowing, a lot of um, people who, uh, the media particularly, I think, are not, not doing a particularly great job at, at reporting on um, the, the ins and outs of, of the various sides of the debate. I think what we see is there's a conflating between a kind of the, the yes campaign, um, the no progressive no campaign, but then also the kind of the, the, the more mainstream view of the no campaign. I think, I think people are conflating a lot of those things, not understanding the nuances, which is, which is a problem. Um, I think from my point of view though, the voice is a really important step in the right direction. It's not going to get us to the point, it's not going to satisfy everybody. And I don't think that's ever been its intention. I think what's been really important about it is that it, it encourages or at least, well, really forces the government to listen 
And I think that's a really important thing that the government hasn't done for a long time um, around Indigenous affairs because they just don't have to, right? Really, there's nothing that 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 forces them electorally to 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 really pay attention, to really make a difference, to really close the gap. Um, and often those critiques fall on deaf ears because, again, there's no there's no real encouragement or incentive for for the government to do things because electorally, electorally, really, they can't be punished for it. And I think the comfort in the Liberal Party and the National Party to take the line that they've had shows that, you know, they can kind of comfortably go, well, we'll just say no to this without much, without without really paying mm. attention to the details. So um, I do think, though, it's incredibly important um, because the voices to government uh, have been many and constantly interrupted. And I think this is a way in which we can ensure that doesn't happen. And it's such a simple proposal. Uh, but I, I do worry that, I do worry that this Australian sense of um, strong sense of egalitarianism and fairness is a limited one. And so this idea is seen as a special privilege or something additional given to a bunch of Australians. And I, they, 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 we need to tackle that. And I think that'll be the undoing, this idea that Aboriginal people get something special is an old racist trope that we've heard for a long time. Um, and without combating that, I think it might be in trouble, but I'm very, very optimistic um, because I think it's a really important idea and one that a lot of Aboriginal people support. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm nervous. Braden, thank you for sharing your thoughts and uh, telling us your story. Um, and I hope someday you and I can meet each other face to face. That'd be great. You have been listening to Studiosity's podcast, Reimagining Higher Education. Candid conversations within higher education, sharing stories of leadership, change, and best practice in teaching and learning. Visit studiosity.com.